Hey listeners, it's your host, Asia. You're about to hear my chat with pianist Kirill Gerstein about something that is actually very hard for me to say. Uh, Lis Etudes. Todd is laughing at me. So, Kirill put this CD of Etudes out, and then right after he released it, another pianist, Daniil Trifonov, put out a CD of the same music. So, it was a, a piano, piano smackdown. smackdown. You will not believe Kirill's trash talk in this episode. I didn't speak to him about it, but, you know, this is the thing about these pieces. They're incredibly attractive. Yeah, they're attractive, but yours came first and is therefore the best. I think it's uh, excellent that there are a number of views and takes on it from this year. And also we have a number of excellent recordings from the past. Right, right, right. I get what you're saying. Yeah, there are all these recordings, but yours is the best. I think we all bring... Something of ourselves and something of a list to, to playing them. Ooh, Trifonov, take that. Whew. <laughs> anyway, there is something for everyone to learn in this episode, including the fact that despite Kirill having an amazing villain voice, he is one of the nicest people we've ever had on the show, and I could not get him riled up. Hope you enjoy this episode, and when you do, good iTunes. Subscribe to, rate, and review us. All right, enjoy the episode. My name is Daisha Clay. I'm the audio librarian here at Classical 91.7. While I'm a real librarian, I have a deep, dark secret. I know very little about classical music. I grew up listening to rock. And I know something about jazz. But when it comes to classical... But I really want to learn. So, every week on this show, a classical music expert will give me a piece of classical music they think I should know, and then we'll discuss it. Come learn with me in the classical classroom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Classical Classroom. I'm Daisha Clay, and here with me today is Kirill Gerstein. He's a recipient of the prestigious Gilmore Artist Award, an award so rare... It only happens every four years. Kirill came to the U.S. from the Soviet Union when he was 14 to study jazz, but eventually he turned his focus to classical music. Very recently, he released an album of Liszt Transcendental Etudes. Kirill Gerstein, welcome to the Classical Classroom. Thank you. So, okay, first, we're going to talk about these Transcendental Etudes, but first, I, I want a little bit of background on the pieces. First, what is an etude? What makes it uh, special amongst other kinds of classical music? Well, in etudes, traditionally, and in its origins, is a piece used in designated for an instructory purpose. So mm. a piece on which you develop a certain aspect of playing, and this usually refers to some technical device in playing an instrument. So a piece of instructory character. Of huh. course, with um, a composer like Liszt, one of the greatest virtuosos, perhaps the greatest pianist that ever, that ever touched the keyboard, he goes far beyond a simple instruction piece for specific technical challenge. Mm -hmm. So he makes it into into an artwork. The piece is much more 
than a piece to train something on. In fact, perhaps it's not a piece to train on, but to come already as a prepared performer. <laughs> right. So you're not you're not going to come to these list etudes as as a novice. You're going to come to it as somebody who already knows a little bit of something about playing. Well, let's put it this way. The list transcendental etudes that we're speaking about is uh, perhaps the pinnacle of uh, of pianistic and artistic difficulties on on the piano. So this is definitely not something you're going to learn to play the piano on. <laughs> right. But after learning to play the piano for a very long time, you hope that you can meet this challenge. Let's put it this way. An etude is like when you're learning to, to ski. So, you know, there'll be one etude of putting the skis on and there'll be another etude of, you know, standing and not immediately falling. And then there'll mm -hmm. be an etude for, you know, what you do with the sticks. And then, you know, then you try gliding down and that's another etude and the list etudes are your equivalents of you know uh, triple black diamond or off course <laughs> uh, uh, mountain skiing so, so, so that's your example so hopefully you don't try to learn skiing on a you know triple black diamond course <laughs> yeah that could end poorly <laughs> so uh, that's what actually you mentioned the Chopin. I was going to ask you what some other examples of famous classical music etudes are. Well, I think in the especially in the Romantic age, so we're speaking about 19th century, you will have in the piano repertoire the Chopin etudes, very famous Liszt etudes. There are a number of other composers for piano that are less known that, that wrote very significant art pieces also called etudes. Then later, if I stick to the piano as, as, as my instrument, you know, we have wonderful etudes by, by Debussy, mm. talking about so beginning yeah. of 20th century. And these perhaps are some of the striking examples of the form really being transcended and, again, not being a simple ins yeah. instruction piece, but uh, a piece that has uh, high artistic value. So I, I, I feel like you've already kind of answered this in telling me, like, how challenging these list pieces are. But, but is there something else that makes these transcendental? Was that just a label that he stuck on them or that somebody else has stuck on, on these pieces? What's yes, well, a, num a number of things. And, and of course, the technical challenge, uh, again, you, to use an analogy from another field, I'd say, you know, if you're looking at a portrait by Rembrandt, mm -hmm. you know and you may be somewhat impressed by the fact that it was incredibly difficult to paint, to make uh, paint look and express what it does. But finally, this is not so much your c concern as a viewer. As a viewer, you want to be uh, moved. You want to learn something from the picture to gain from a painting to mm -hmm. get a certain insight, what, 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 whatever you want. But it's not necessarily the kitchen of how difficult it was to make that 
that you find most moving,、mm. and I think so is the case with with these. They have、attitudes. a sort of spiritual, incredibly difficult to to play. But finally, what do they express? And they express、mm. the psycho expresses a number of things.、Uh, number three, paysage is、uh, as, as the title suggests, is a certain. Picture impressionistic painting of a of a of a landscape.、Mm. Uh, number five fully depicts these flickering,、uh, ghostly lights above a swamp that was、uh, so they were thought、mm. to be the dead souls that 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 mislead wanderers in the in the night.、Uh, number eight is called the the wild. Hunt the wilde Jagd in German, which、uh, depicts a,、uh, a horde of ghosts riding, hollering and screaming, and also potentially harming travelers that stand in their way. Or number eleven is called Harmonie du Soir, so a evening harmonies, and you hear depictions of evening bells.、Uh, mm -hmm. Ringing to me sounds much more like a summer evening than a winter evening. And then the last one, for example, number twelve, is a winter storm, and you can hear these、uh, vibrating notes that 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 I think allude to white snow falling. But not only in you know. Trying to depict these visual phenomena, but also more importantly, conveying how we may feel emotionally when faced with these visual stimulation、mm. yeah. or、uh, situational references. So,、um, so, and this is where where. This idea of the etude is transcended, and the idea of technique is transcended, and it's no longer technique for its own sake, but technique at the service of expressing visions and 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 emotions. So we should hear one of these at least during this interview. Is there is there one in particular that stands out to you that we can kind of walk through? Um, it depends. It depends on what your mood is. It, if if you want to hear something overtly flashy and、uh, so daring, then I would say you could listen to number two or number eight. And if you want to hear、uh, something very, in the best sense, melodramatic and nineteenth-century salon-like, then I would say put on number nine, the Ricordanza, which is a bit like a love letter on the piano. And if we are talking about winter, though, in Houston, the snow is less actual, hopefully. <laughs>、uh, yeah. But then you then then you could hear number twelve. Oh, let's do that one. Let's do number twelve for our non-winter. Let's so let's do winter storm as an homage. To to the season. Okay. So much going on. Even though this is sort of an intro, this is there's so much already going on in the music.
You know, this sounds kind of like the sadness that we feel in Houston when we don't actually get cold weather that the weatherman promises us. That's what this sounds like. I'm sure some, <laughs> some people in New York would want to trade with you. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so um, I, have to, I have to bring it up. I know that Daniel Trifonov, another Russian pianist, just released an album of these same works less than a month after you. So have you had words with Daniel about, about this? No, I didn't speak to him about <laughs> it. But, uh, you know, this is the thing about these pieces. They're incredibly attractive to, to many of us. And yeah. they're very rich in in the possibilities to interpret them so so this is why i think it's uh, excellent that there are a number of of views and takes on it from from this year and um and also we have a number of excellent recordings uh, from from the past and and i think we all bring something something of ourselves and something of 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 list to to playing them what did you find when you dug into these pieces? Because that's a really interesting thing to bring up. It's like you, like he just came up with a CD. It's totally different from yours. But it's, and, and so that makes me wonder, like, what is it that you as a musician get out of playing these pieces that, that other people play? What did you find in yourself when you did this? I think, I think the relationship between the pieces and and ourselves as interpreters and as performers are are very personal and it's it's i think similar to an actor being in touch in in intimate touch with a shakespeare play mm. or even mm. finally a reader the piece speaks to us based on our every previous experience that, yeah. that that we've had based on our physical feeling mm -hmm. as instrumentalists in the case of, of music or dance and how we are able to integrate and bring together all these different aspects, the, the physical, the emotional, the intellectual content of the piece and how it comes out in that particular moment with with that instrument, with that hall with that audience and so in that sense uh, it's wonderful the world is big enough for all of us and i think the world is all that richer for for the fact that there are a number of people that interpret hamlet's monologue uh -huh. or yeah. interpret the list transcendental etudes or or a beethoven sonata and i think when i or i think I'm not speaking just for myself, but for a number of colleagues, when we are busy with these pieces, I think we are much busier with those pieces than than with who else has played them throughout the history. Yeah, and it's wonderful and it's humbling to to think that you are playing a piece that Orovitz has played and Liszt has played. Mm -hmm. That that finally, at the end of the day, you're we get to play something that Beethoven wrote. Yeah. It's this, you know, it's an amazing way of feeling history very acutely and at mm -hmm. the same time not just touching history but but therefore making history sound again vibrate yeah. in the air and then dissipate. It's yeah. wonderful. 
you know it's uh, it's there and then it's and then it's not because the air stops vibrating so so it's it's a very deep and very personal relationship that i think we all have as interpreters to to the pieces that we that we play yeah that was really eloquently put for something that you you thought about for 20 seconds <laughs> that was great actually well carol Carol Gerstein, thank you so much for being on The Classical Classroom. I hate that we're out of time, but it looks like we are. Good to speak to you. Thank you. Yeah, take care. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode of Classical Classroom. For more Classroom, go to houstonpublicmedia.org classroom. Connect with our social media links there. You'll be so glad that you did. Email at dclay at houstonpublicmedia.org. Subscribe to, rate us, and review us on iTunes, or Carol and Daniil will challenge you to a piano duel. Thanks today to audio producer Todd Twilight Hulsander for twiddling knobs. Thanks to editor Mark DeClaudio for his piercing werewolf eyes. Thanks to Kirill Gerstein for being on the show today. Thanks to me for saying words, but most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you next time.